Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, would you open up to the book of Hebrews chapter 4? If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. The verses are going to be down here on the bottom of the screen as we track through them this morning. But we will uh, start off here in Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to kind of be all over the place in the scripture today, so don't feel like you need to navigate to every Bible verse that we reference. Um, You can kind of camp out in Hebrews chapter 4, and once again, we'll put them on the bottom of the screen there for you to follow along. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Would you pray with me? God bless us today. Encourage us today. Embrace us today. Give us wisdom and understanding, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, as we seek to discover and experience what it means that Jesus is our great high priest. Amen. For the author of Hebrews, this notion of Jesus as our priest is of critical importance. So important as a matter of fact that of 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews, of in 10 of those chapters, Jesus is referenced as our priest. It is critical for the writer of Hebrews that we understand Jesus' priestly role. And in order to understand his priestly role, we must see Jesus through the eyes of the Old Testament, because that's when the priesthood was established. Remember, in the kind of last three weeks of this series, we're talking about the three offices of Jesus. Last week, Sawyer did a great job talking about the ways in which Jesus is our consummate and ultimate prophet. Next week, we'll be talking about the kingdom of Jesus and Jesus as king. And today, we're talking about Jesus as our priest. And so in order to understand that, we're just going to take four steps in this journey together. First, we're going to understand the function of the priest and the priesthood from an Old Testament perspective. Because frankly, uh, there may not be any other book in the New Testament where it's so critical to understand the Old Testament as the book of Hebrews. The book of the author of Hebrews is certainly writing from an Old Testament perspective. So we need to understand the function of the priesthood in the Old Testament to understand what the author of Hebrews means. Second, we need to understand what I'm going to call the shape of the priesthood, kind of how God designed the priests and the priesthood to work. Third, We're going to understand how Jesus steps into that mold. And finally, we're going to talk about the implications for you and me. So let's begin with the function of the priesthood. Remember where we are in our journey with the nation of Israel. They've been freed from 430 years in slavery to the nation of Egypt. They're journeying now across the Sinai Peninsula toward the Promised Land. And at the Mount, at Mount Sinai, God establishes His covenant through Moses. We refer to that as the Mosaic Covenant. God establishes the tabernacle, the place for Him to dwell. And in that moment, He also establish, establishes the priesthood. 
But remember, up to this point, God has appeared or manifested himself to the nation of Israel as a bush on fire that isn't consumed, as plagues in Egypt, as a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. I mean, what he's telling the nation of Israel is you can't just approach God willy-nilly. So God makes a way to have a relationship with him, and he does so through the priesthood. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 1, God says, Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. What God is saying to Moses here is, You are kind of my spokesperson and leader in Israel, but your brother Aaron, who's three years older than Moses, and his sons and those that come after them in their line are going to serve me as priests. Now, in doing so, God establishes what we're going to call the Aaronic priesthood or even the Levitical priesthood because he chooses Aaron from the tribe of Levi. Remember, there were 12 tribes in Israel. One of them was the tribe of Levi. And of the tribe of Levi, there's even a narrower group of people, those who are in the lineage of Aaron, to serve God as priests. Thus, we're saying that not all Levites were priests, but certainly all priests were Levites. And you know what's interesting? By the way that we think and behave, we actually affirm that there's something we must do or say or think or believe in order to approach the divine. I mean, think about uh, most world religions out there. There's a kind of a morality code that you need to live up to or religious, religious observances that you need to tick off your list in order to approach the divine. Uh, there's maybe some meditation things that you need to do or centering or a certain peace with yourself or a pilgrimage that you need to take, even from a secular humanist point of view. And many of them don't believe there's a God at all. But for those who do, there are certainly kind of life arranging that has to happen in order for you to access the divine in any kind of meaningful way. Well, God comes along and he says this, while you may believe there is something that you need to do or say or think in order to access the divine, there is actually nothing you can do or say or believe or think or refrain from doing that's going to give you access to the, to the divine. Now, the scripture says this all over the place. Tim Keller actually summarizes it really well. He says, nothing we formulate or do can qualify us for access to God. But see, that is the function of the priesthood. God says, by an act of my grace, I will provide the way for you to access me. You can't do it in and of yourself, but what I will do is send a mediator who acts as a go-between. It represents the people to God. Listen to what Christopher J.H. Wright says in his book, Knowing Jesus Through the Old Testament. He's talking about Jesus' priestly role and function, and he's talking about the ways in which the priests function in the Old Testament. He says, the function of the priesthood in Israel itself was to stand between God and the rest of the people. In the way we talked about kind of prophets last week, remember, the prophets brought God's message of truth to the people. The prophets got, brought God's message of truth to the people, and the truth heals us, and the truth sets us free. All those things that Sawyer talked about last week. So on the contrary, priests bring the message of people to God. 
They bring the message of people to God. They sacrifice on behalf of the people. They offer uh, sacrifice or sacrifice of animals for atonement for sins on behalf of the people. They are a go-between. The priests did for the people what the people could not do for themselves. And everything the priest was to do was to set the table to usher people in to God's presence and relationship with Him. That was their entire job. And the gift of a priest was an act of God's grace. You cannot earn access to me, so I will provide a way for you. The nation of Israel's response should have been something like this. Ah, so we got a guy. Well, what do you mean by that, Luke? Is there anybody in your family or friends that always has a guy for something? You know, I got a friend named Rustin in Phoenix. He's actually preached at Bayview Glen a couple times, and he's always got a guy. I'll say, Rustin, I need to go to the mall to kind of buy a shirt or something. He's like, no, 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 going to the mall to buy a shirt. I got a shirt guy. Rustin, I need to take my car in to get some dents removed from it. No, 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 no. Don't take your car in. I got a dent guy. He's got a guy for everything. He's got a cigar guy. He's got a lawn guy. He's got a shirt guy. He's got a car guy. He's got a guy. It's always a guy with Rustin. And the guy can get you access to things that you wouldn't have, discounts on things that you wouldn't have been able to do. The guy has got uh, ins and, and, and relationships and all kinds of privileges and things that you would not otherwise be able to create for yourself. So in the priest, the nation of Israel had a guy. They had a guy to go to God on their behalf to do things that they couldn't do for themselves. They had a mediator to go to God on their behalf. They had someone to go out for sacrifices and atone for sins. Someone who had the privilege of entering into the most holy place, whereas they didn't. Someone who had access, whereas they didn't. They had a guy. And in order to serve as the guy, as the priest... The priest and the priesthood needed to take on a particular shape. Now, as I've talked with uh, Dave Lewis actually a little bit about this message, this is the language that we've kind of come up with, the best possible language to help us understand, again, what the author of Hebrews is doing when he says that Jesus is our great high priest. The, the, the priest and the priesthood needed to take on a particular shape. And I would like you to imagine that shape as a square. And the first side of our square is consecration. The priests were consecrated. If you read the description in Leviticus chapter 21 of the priesthood, there's all kinds of ways in which God makes sure that the priests are consecrated or set aside or identified for a particular purpose. They're anointed with oil. They wear special clothing. They cut their hair in a particular way. All these things to help the nation of Israel identify that they are consecrated, set aside for a specific purpose. The second side of our square as we consider the shape of the priesthood is the side of justice. In the nation of Israel, priests were given the task of arbitrating between 
uh, people in the nation of Israel that were having conflicts. They were supposed to make it fair for everyone. Everyone was on the same playing field. Everyone was treated equally. The foreigner, the insider, the outsider, the elite, the, the rich, the poor, everybody was given justice in the nation of Israel. And the priests were given the task or commissioned in order to do that. So they were consecrated in order to do justice, as Micah 6.8 says. And then they were consecrated in order to serve. They were to serve the people. They were not to rule from the top down in an autocratic, dictatorial way, but rather see themselves as shepherds and servants of the people. Numbers chapter 18, verse 7 says this, You, Aaron, and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything concerning the altar and inside the veil. We're talking about the tabernacle here. And you are to perform service. I am giving you the priesthood as a bestowed service. So they are consecrated for justice and service. And finally, blessing. Leviticus uh, chapter 9 says, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, brought them joy, encouraged them, exhorted them, didn't look at them and say, you sacks of garbage. You're a bunch of punks. God is not pleased with you. He said, God loves you. He has a commitment to you and a covenant with you. And I bless you on his behalf. So now we've got this shape of the priesthood, right? They were consecrated for justice, service, and blessing. Now that we understand the function of the priest as a mediator and a go-between, and we understand the shape of the priesthood, let's ask our critical question that we've been asking through this entire series called Foundations. What in the world does this have to do with Jesus? The function of the priesthood, the shape of the priesthood, how does this help us understand the role of Jesus for you and for me and in our world? What in the world does this have to do with Jesus? Well, for the author of Hebrews, like we said, it's got a great deal to do with Jesus. Because of 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews, like we said a moment ago, in 10 of those chapters, Jesus is mentioned as our priest. Over and over again, the author of Hebrews continues to come back to this idea of Jesus as our priest. In fact, in chapter 8, verse 1, the author of Hebrews writes this. Now, the main point in what we're trying to say is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus is now our mediator that represents us to God. He goes to God on our behalf. And maybe even, uh, is of, well, at least of equal importance, is that Jesus retains the shape of the priesthood perfectly. You know, by the time Jesus rolled around, the, the shape of the priesthood that we talked about, it had begun to disintegrate. In fact, it was kind of well down the path of disintegrating. 
Rather than being consecrated for a purpose, the priests saw themselves as elitist and separated from the people. Rather than bringing justice, like Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, the priests were selfish and acted on their own behalf. Rather than serving the people, they became dictatorial and autocratic. And rather than blessing the people, they troubled the people and weighed them down with heavy burdens. The author of Hebrews says, Jesus isn't like that. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, the author of Hebrews writes, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, could you just shelf that Melchizedek reference for today? We could get into it. We just don't have time. It's fascinating if you want to look at the relationship between Melchizedek and Abraham and how that helps us understand the life of Jesus. I would encourage you to do so. What I want you to focus on here is that, is that the author of Hebrews says that Jesus was designated by God, a high priest, and he was made perfect. The author of Hebrews is saying that in Jesus, that shape of the priesthood that we talked about does not disintegrate, but it is perfectly fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. All four sides, consecration, justice, service, and blessing. Let's go through them one at a time. The author of Hebrews tells us that we have a great high priest over the house of God. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21. So, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Remember what the priests were consecrated for. They were to be the table setters for people to interact and have relationship with God himself. Jesus comes along and rather than see, seeing himself as an elitist and removed from the people, he serves the people and sets the table. He pulls back the veil and the curtain. He is our great high priest in that he sets the table for us to come and sit at table with Almighty God. Remember, we said that rather than fulfilling that side of justice, the priests had become selfish and much of what they did was for themselves. Of course, they're, they're corrupt, broken human beings. So Jesus in Matthew 23 says everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. In other words, they're making a big to-do of their religion and their holiness. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and be called rabbi by others. See, now they're no longer pursuing justice. Rather, they're being selfish and using their position of authority for their own gain. But the Bible says that wasn't true of Jesus. And over and over and over again, the Bible says that Jesus was not a man who looked out for his own needs. Remember, he did not come to be served, but to serve. Remember, when there was no one to wash feet, he got up, took off his outer garment, and began to wash feet. Remember, he went to the cross willingly. This is how God fulfilled that side of the priesthood, the justice they were supposed to seek. You see, Jesus accepted the judgment of God and God's justice was fulfilled. He, as our priest, went in on our behalf. 
He served us and fulfilled the law of God and the holiness of God only because he was selfless and not selfish. That second side of justice is retained. The third side of our priesthood is the side of service. It's the side of service. Jesus fulfilled the consecration piece, the justice piece, and now the service piece. You know, by the time Jesus came around, the high priests in Israel were kind of in cahoots with the Roman government. And rather than just uh, serving the people and fulfilling their religious obligations in the temple, they were kind of puppets of the Roman Empire, and they were meant to kind of keep the people under control. Again, they saw themselves as separate from the people, different from the people. But Jesus didn't see himself that way. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 2 says about Jesus' high priestly function here. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. You see, not dictatorial, not overbearing, but made like us in every respect so that he might become a faithful, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propiti propitiation for the sins of the people for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So again, Jesus comes along and he is consecrated as a priest. He fulfills God's justice. And now he actually sees the world from your perspective and from mine. Rather than a high priest who doesn't understand and cannot sympathize, we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way yet remains sinless so he could fulfill the justice of God. He knows how you feel when you're tempted. He's been there. He feels the weight because he has been made like his brothers in every respect. And finally, Jesus came to bless rather than to trouble people. Now, you know, the high priestly class, uh, by the time Jesus came around, had been tying up heavy, cumbersome loads and putting them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves were not willing to lift a finger to move them. In other words, they were expecting others to fulfill religious obligations. And when they couldn't do that, because it was impossible to do so, the high priest and the priestly order would shame those people, say, see, you can't live up to God's standards and all those things. So Jesus comes along and rather than adding trouble and burden, he says, come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. And why is it that Jesus can give us rest, that Jesus can offer us blessing, just as Aaron was charged to do in his Levitical priesthood? It's because of Hebrews chapter 7. Listen, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, listen, like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. In other words, Jesus can be our blessing and not tie up heavy loads to us because he carries the load himself. And why can he carry the load? Because he has no load of his own to carry. He was perfect, innocent, stainless, so he can pick up our sin and pick up our trouble and carry them to the cross with himself and in turn bless us in his role as priest. In other words, here's the deal. In Jesus, we got a guy. We got a guy. We've got a connection 
a guy who gives us access to God. We got a guy who gives us privileges as sons and daughters. We got a guy who blesses us and picks up our trouble. We got a guy who serves us and is not dictatorial. We have a perfect high priest in the house of God. This is so critical for us to understand as we seek to walk with Jesus and love God and serve God daily, that we don't have to live up to his standards in order to earn his favor. Rather, God bestowed favor on us undeserved because of his grace. That we don't have to offer sacrifices all the time in order to earn access to God. Jesus has done that once for all so we can go into the throne of grace with confidence that God's justice has been fulfilled, that Jesus continues to serve us and intercede for us as our priest even to this day. He is our mediator that goes to the throne of God on our behalf. What a joy and blessing it is to know that Jesus is our great and perfect high priest. Now watch this. Here's where God kind of turns this again on its head in a way that's incredible. See, it's not just about your personal walk with God. This idea of a priest and a priesthood informs the way we understand ourselves as a community and how we interact with our city and with our neighborhood. Why? Because 1 Peter 2 says this, you are a chosen race, a royal, what? Priesthood. In other words, in Jesus, we got a guy. However, at the same time, you're the guy that somebody needs to know. You are that priest that is supposed to set the table for someone to have access to the kingdom. You are supposed to retain this shape of the priesthood by living out justice, by being set apart and unique and different in the world, by blessing people rather than troubling them, by serving them rather than demanding from them. That is the shape our community is supposed to take in the world. I would ask you, brothers and sisters in Christ, who do you know for whom you need to be the guy or the gal, as it were? That connection point that can help usher them into the presence of God by living out the shape of the priesthood, justice, consecration, blessing, and service. I would remind you today that Jesus has done that for you, and you don't have to strive in order to earn his favor, and that he has commissioned us as a royal priesthood to do that for others. I would invite you to even pray and think about that one person in your life for whom you can be a royal priest. Pray with me. God, thank you that we can read the Old Testament and see Jesus and his life and work and ministry with greater clarity. Thank you for being our perfect priest who serves us who is set aside for us, who fulfills your righteousness and justice for us, who is humble, caring, and tender. God, we are just grateful. 
for this truth today. Pray that it would sink into our hearts and change us from the inside out. In Christ's name, amen.